Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Mike Berg in the Wisconsin Lutheran College uh, podcast studio, or an empty office, whatever, whatever. whatever you want to look at. Um, I've invited um, Pastor Doctor Reverend Doctor uh, Philip Hebner from Wisconsin Lutheran High School. If you remember, he came on uh, I don't know a few months ago, maybe longer, and talked about. Um, Children in Church, right. which was your your doctoral project, yep. dissertation type thing. And so um, our listeners, some of our listeners will uh, remember his voice. Um, he is on here today, and we're going to talk about being single and being a Christian at the same time. And uh, we'll, we'll let the discussion go where it is. I think it will be fruitful, not just for people who maybe have chosen to be single or who are still single and yet trying to get married or one day want to get married, but also for perhaps the rest of us, like we maybe need to rethink how sometimes we come off. I wouldn't say treat single people in the church, um, but how we maybe come off to Absolutely. people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, we're going to read our disclaimer and then we're going to come back for our free for all, which is going to be about sports stadiums. So if you're not into that, you can, you can jump ahead at the timestamp. So this show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. All right, welcome back for our free-for-all, which is going to be about sports stadiums. And longtime listeners know that when we don't come up with anything creative for our free-for-alls, we just kind of go back to sports because that's what we know. It's easy. So, yes. so um, we realize not everybody else is in, uh, in the same sort of uh, uh, wavelength that we are. But, you know, anyway, we think it's fun anyway. And so our topic today is going to be about defunct sports stadiums that if you had a chance to go visit, you would want to, or we'll maybe, maybe say even a uh, stadium right now that you haven't visited that you would like to go see. So I'll go first since uh, I put uh, Dr. Phil on the doc. Can we call you Dr. Phil? Does anybody call <laughs> yeah. you Dr. Phil? Um, there may or may not be a meme or two from the students <laughs> going around our high school. <laughs> so someone paid someone $2 to uh, do a little Photoshopping of a bald head and a mustache and uh, I am in fact viral, so there you That's go. Right. That's right. Um, but your your parents didn't couldn't have seen this coming, right? They didn't know no. the rise of Doctor Phil. You know, that's just. Did you ever think about maybe I shouldn't get a doctor just because of that name? Um, no, I thought I'm going to reclaim this for good in the there world. You go. Yeah. Excellent. Right. You should really, yeah, you should do that. He's probably got a trademark though. I could do the, I have to look at his Twitter handle. If he's the real Dr. Phil or can I, can I claim like I am the real, real yeah. Dr. Phil as right. my Twitter handle? Right. Yeah. That's pretty good. That you should pay a student to look into that. Yeah. Right. That. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'll go first and, um, I think I would have liked to go. It's is it Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. I mean, just the Definitely. whole vibe kind of thing. Uh, you know, the the Dodgers right dodging the the streetcars to get to that. I think we have this vision of Brooklyn um, in our in our Americanic sort of uh, history. And if you go to Brooklyn today, it ain't the Brooklyn of whatever. And so. Um, I, I think that would be kind of a cool vibe to go there, and and especially just the whole idea that they were terrible and under the, the shadow of the Yankees and the Giants. So that's my first choice. What do you got? Well, there's a there's a lot of stadiums that are classic. You know, I think of football comes to mind because we're in football mm-hmm. season, and you know, like Candlestick Park to see what that was like. I never made it to uh, was it the Silverdome? Is that right for the Silverdome? Yeah. yeah, never made it to that. Um, there are there are older school. F- stadiums right now that I 
would like to go to but aren't defunct per se like sure. Fenway I've never yeah. actually been to Wrigley yeah. Field for a game oh really yeah so that would be that would be pretty cool I've been to uh, Dodger Stadium mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome yeah. you know the, the feel so I guess if I had to go to a, a defunct I, I have to go classic here a little bit and just say um, Milwaukee boy to go back to County Stadium sure. been to tons of baseball games growing up um, even saw a couple Packers games there mm-hmm um, but the feel of that, and mm-hmm. there's just the good vibes of growing up in the area, <laughs> and it's the old place that everyone loves. So I, w- I would love to go back to County Stadium back when things cost just a few pennies sure. and not <laughs> sure a dozen dollars. I have been to Candlestick you for have. a baseball game. Nice. It was miserable. It was cold <laughs> and windy and wet. It you can know, happen there fast. Yes, it, was, it was miserable, and I believe it was the uh, Reds and Giants in probably the – uh, mid 80s so it was probably a decent game but you know I, I all, all I remember is being miserable there so and I've been to Wrigley and Fenway and they are a must so you really should put those put it on my those, list yeah. for sure yeah um, so I, I'm just old enough and traveled enough that I got to see like Tiger Stadium in Detroit oh, yeah. and stuff like that but um, yeah so um, I, I I the old Boston Garden maybe oh yeah I haven't definitely. been to Madison Garners either um, I've actually, I don't think I've even ever been to an NBA game, to be honest with you. Well, I have some good memories there. So I, I've been to New York City a couple of times, and I have been to uh, Madison Square Garden oh, game, yeah? which is really cool. You, it doesn't even look like a stadium. It's kind of built into one of the, the skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. The, and you walk in or up the steps of this like skyscraper building, and you're like in the concourse. Yeah. And it's sort of like built down into the ground there. I've, I've also been to the old Chicago Bulls stadium. Oh, really? Been to a game with Michael Jordan playing, nice. and that was beyond describable words, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for a, like a twelve-year-old boy yeah. back in the classic days. So that was that was pretty great. That's good. Um, we both probably been to the Metrodome. Yes, and we're okay with it being gone. <laughs> I I believe I still have <laughs> scars on my body from playing in college on the Metrodome oh, field, really? and that old AstroTurf is perhaps the worst surface ever designed for sports because <laughs> if you fall or slide your yeah. skin is gone permanently yeah yeah all right one college football stadium that if you had yeah you could only go to one more game the rest of your life Whew. that's a tough one i'm such a big 10 guy but yeah. you know ann arbor I haven't been to a michigan game yeah. that'd be great so maybe that's an easy one for a big 10 guy but something about an sec game yeah. Would be really special, you know, like Alabama versus Georgia or something would be pretty classic, yeah. I think. I think that would be like, that's one I, I'd probably never happen, but just to, like I, I, I want to witness a big time European soccer Ooh, yeah. match, and I want to witness a big time SEC matchup at night like at LSU or something like that, oh, yeah. just for the experience. Yep. I think that would be fun. And I'd like to go a playoff hockey game. Ooh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But those, you Maybe know, would you so. throw some octo- octopi <laughs> on octopi, the ice? Octopi, absolutely, yeah. no matter where I was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Isn't this what you do? <laughs> this thought, is what you do, yeah. 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 Um, no, that that's – so playoff hockey is a cool thing, and being in Michigan where you right across the border from Canada, and it's just hockey crazy and, and – most of the rest of the country besides maybe Boston and maybe Minneapolis doesn't get how crazy it can be. So, yeah. And that's that, that European soccer and SEC football, I think you got to be there to see what it's like, to see what it's like and to understand how serious people are about it. So. Kind of like the dream. So many have, um, not a stadium, but to go to the masters, which yep. I've had a chance to do. Did and, you really? Yeah. And cool. that was everything. It was cracked up to really? be times 10. It was nice. Yeah, amazing. Nice. I think I, I was at the, uh, when I, whatever, I don't know if they called it the Milwaukee Open, but whatever. Yeah, that, the GMO, Greater the, Milwaukee Open. The l- yeah. lower tier, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And it came down to the final hole. I don't remember who was playing, who was in the in the final group or whatever. But, you know, we I couldn't, I didn't uh, foresee this. And so by the time i got to the 18th there was no way that i saw yeah, anything right. yeah right but um it was kind of fun fun know, fact though i think tiger woods made his professional career debut at Did the greater milwaukee Open. very nice so. very nice um i've been to the rose bowl Ooh. but for a ucla oregon when oregon was terrible and ucla was always just ucla yeah. and 
I think, uh, I, what does it hold? Like a hundred and some thousand in there. I think there was probably 30,000 there. <laughs> so I don't think I got the full kind yeah, of right. picture. Right there. I don't know how we got tickets to UCLA, Oregon, but yeah. somehow we did. Hmm. So in the, in the eighties and it probably was a, was a middle of the road, uh, Pac-10 game back then. So, so it wasn't the granddaddy of them. It was it just was the not, daddy of them all at that was, point. It was yeah. sort of a daddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my dad, I believe, has has gone to at least one, if not two, role, actual actual roles. Nice. Bowls. So that would be kind of that would be a big deal too, of course. So yeah. All right. So any last words on sports stadiums? That no, I think I'm good. We got it all out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll come back for our main topic. topic which is going to be being christian and uh single i i worry i worried about the title here because i wanted this title not to sound like a dating site right <laughs> like christian and single or something like that but i think our audience is sophisticated enough to know what we're after here but before we get into that um Dr. Hebner, why don't you reintroduce yourself to our audience? And there's probably some new listeners who ha who have not heard you before. So tell us about yourself. Yeah. So Phil Hebner, um, graduate of Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, spent nine years uh, starting uh, a mission church in Palm Coast, Florida, on the better coast of Florida, which is the East Atlantic <laughs> coast. Uh, nine years there, very blessed in all that work. Very exciting and, and super enjoyable. Somewhere in the midst there, I, I got another master's degree in systematic theology. Then the Lord led me to take a call to be campus pastor where I am at now at Wisconsin Lutheran High School, which is actually my alma mater. Um, I think my first year there is when I completed my doctorate in mission and culture from Concordia, Fort Wayne. And uh, yeah, currently serve as campus pastor, so teach a little bit, um, do a lot of counseling, especially for teens today. Uh, happened to share a classroom at the moment with Dr. Berg, so I have to tidy up and COVID clean down before he comes in and makes it a mess again. Yeah. Um, but maybe a, a little bit for the listeners that somewhat ties in. I teach a, an elective senior class that nearly every one of our 225 seniors takes uh, a religion class, and that is Friendship to Marriage. And maybe that started our conversation a little bit on this. Uh, we can talk about that more as we go, but uh, that class is all about relationships and marriage and family and children, uh, but maybe not talked about enough is being single, and we can get into that as we go, I guess. Yeah. And so tell about your family, wife, children, that kind of stuff. Yeah, married for, um, I have to count right now, I guess, that's uh, enough years, that's 16, right. <laughs> 16 years. Uh, two children, one is in eighth grade, a boy, Noah, and a daughter, Gwen, who is in fifth grade right now keep a super busy limousine service all over the I town know. uh sports where they play sports the kids. yeah um kind of your typical stuff for the son uh, football basketball baseball yeah. uh daughter is our expensive one because she got to be very good at gymnastics yeah. so um she loves that and does a lot of it yeah so our youngest was uh, very good at gymnastics and we got her into it and I don't know, thankful is not the right word, but we were okay with her saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Yes. So she was at the point where she's very, she just likes to bounce around or whatever. And, and the teacher's like, well, she needs to really, um, you know, build up her upper body strength, you know, and take the next level. And I'm like, I kind of looked into that. I, I looked into that, that world about gymnastics yeah. becomes our life. And, you know, and I said, I don't want to go there and my youngest daughter said, I'm done with this. And I said, okay. Yeah. I wish that was the case. We've encouraged our daughter to play basketball. Yeah. Dad, I do not want someone up in my business during a game. She, she just likes to be her own sure. person. And it turns out that when you're able to do like a double back handspring back tuck 
thing. Mm-hmm. That's very expensive when you're mm-hmm. good like that. So, uh, you know, she doesn't do much else. So yeah. I guess her year-long season and our son added up yeah. is probably equal in price, but she loves it, so that's good. Yeah, and it is good. It is. It, I'm, I do kind of miss it a little bit and, and would have liked to see her, Sophia is my youngest, see how well she would have done. She wouldn't have been, like, super great or anything, but um, whatever. I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay not riding around and uh, spending lots of money on that. So anyway, um, so um, maybe let's get into the topic of of being single. And uh, some people have floated the idea about the vocation of being single. And I'm going to be the old man on the lawn here and be a stickler since vocation was my um, what was my doctoral stuff and say, I don't think technically there's a vocation of being single, just like there isn't a vocation of being a leader, unless you're like the dear leader of Korea. And I don't think he's Christian. So, um, the idea of it's closer to an, you know, a teacher or a parent or whatever. Um, and I worry about the idea of using the word calling for being single because it just sniffs a little bit of monasticism and celibacy, you know, at the same time, I can understand that the way Luther and Paul talk about somebody who let's say chooses to be single, um, that does come with some uniqueness. Um, it is, uh, we don't want to make this about sex, but there is a, a uniqueness to somebody who can handle or is even attracted to a, a celibate life. And do you want to call that a calling? Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with using that word there. Um, but I, I do want to be, and if we're going to go down the language of calling and vocation, we do need to understand that vocations change. So, you are called maybe right now to be um, somebody who just graduated from college, a good citizen, a good church member, and you're not yet married. Yeah, I could see that as there's a there's a responsibility there um, that is part of your calling, but that doesn't mean that that's your calling forever. These things right. can change, and vice versa. Let's say somebody is divorced or somebody becomes a widower or widower, perhaps at a younger age than normal, um, that does change, uh, that does change the calling, so to speak. So, uh, I don't want to be a stick in the mud, but I do, I do want to be careful that we don't co-opt the word vocation. Um, at the same time, I don't want to downplay what it is to be single. It actually is a pretty powerful thing. And we'll talk about later, I'm sure, the history in Christianity vaguely about what, what do you think about they wouldn't use the word single, but a celibate lifestyle. So I'll give you, let you have the floor here for your initial comments. Well, I, maybe I'll play off of your thoughts there about choosing the single lifestyle and uh, I'll let you with more expertise and knowledge go down the, the history and that kind of thing. Uh, but I guess reflecting a little bit, um, as we just discussed a few minutes the other day and today about what you know what we'll talk about today, you know why don't we talk about being single so much in the class that we teach friendship to marriage, and maybe it's because we spend so much time trying to correct a worldview and a life view of this younger generation Z, um, where so many people have more maybe more of a, a selfish kind of approach to being single. We, we see and hear from so many teens an attitude kind of like, well, I'm not going to get married. Look at what's going on with marriage out there in the world. I'm, I'm not going to get married. I don't want to get Why do I want to do that? And I have so many things to do with my life, and I'm going to get this degree and this degree, and uh, you know, I'm going to be a doctor, and I'm going to make this much money, and it, I don't want that drama. Um, similarly speaking about kids, uh, almost in a put-down kind of a way where they see it not as a blessing but almost as like, almost like a curse, like, oh, I don't want to be tied down like that. And, and the statistics are very heavily on that side, as you may have seen with this generation, you know, getting married later than ever before, living at home later than ever before, children later than ever before. Uh, so there's this whole kind of attitude of, I want to be single because I don't want that burden. I don't want those problems. You know, they, they know and, and they hear in our class that 50% of marriages end by separation or divorce in our country. 
uh, and I and a lot of them experience that personally, uh, and honestly, the the hurt that a lot of them have because they don't have a parent present or they're. Their, their parents' marriage isn't working, or they, they, they saw and experienced a divorce. Like, I just don't want to do that. So uh, I, this is to say that we spend a lot of time teaching about the blessing of marriage, why God designed it, what blessings it brings, how it can help us so much in life, and without being Jerry Maguire, you know, you complete me kind of a, <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, and, of course, the blessings of family and children and the stability of society that comes with it. So I guess my, my first thought is... Um, I don't talk too much about being single because I hear more um, from students wanting to be single for a selfish personal reason. Yeah, and I wonder uh, two two things. One is I think this that idea often comes along with uh, prosperity. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, if you live in a world where you do have a lot of opportunities it's easy to say, well, like children become an accessory (laughs) to my life style rather than this blessing. Um, and demographics point that out too, I think. And, um, this is, I, I'm not going to be political here, but just so everybody knows we need immigrants (laughs) right? because we're not, we're not producing, reproducing enough. That's a terrible word. We're not procreating enough, if you want to say, uh, to replace ourselves. Right. And there's, there's huge tax implications for that and, and, and all the rest. Um, the second thought that I had is, you know, maybe why you don't talk about, we don't talk about being single enough. Uh, uh, one reason is just the, the number of people that are single versus the number of people that are in a family, right? Yeah, it is right. a, it is a unique, rare thing. And, and so it's not always on our minds as you, as you said, and, uh, and then maybe the history of, of how Christianity looked at specifically celibacy and the family that very, very early on, there was this idea of escaping from the world. Yep. Um, somehow I can be holier um, somehow I can be away from this mess right here, which I think we kind of all feel a little bit in, in our current political climate and polarization. Wouldn't it be nice just to go live out in the country for a little bit and be away from it, right? And so you can understand um, the desert fathers in, in, a, in a time when the Roman Empire was sometimes friendly, but usually not friendly to Christianity and to the Jewish people. And then you have doctrinal strife and, and you just want to go out into the desert and, and live a, a life of solitude, which would comes with singleness and, and celibacy. And then eventually this is lifted up as the ideal. And then, of course, there is going to be the, the problem of you are holy or you're doing something for God because you gave up this. And then for Luther to explode that and say oh no, this is absolutely wrong, I think sets us up for uh, uh, a modern Christian way of looking at singleness in the Protestant Lutheran world saying, why would you even choose that? Or what's wrong with you? Right. Or you think, you know, that kind of thing. And so the, the, the opposite has, has occurred where the celibacy, the single life was elevated as holier than thou and saying that the family was somehow a little bit below. Now the family's way up here and being single is something you you just kind of like, I don't know that. Do you really understand what God said? So how do we combat that? A lot of, I think a a lot of patient care and love and listening, you know, um, a lot of the friends that I have who are, are single peers, colleagues, you know, things like that. Um, I would, I don't know if I can throw out a percentage, but I would say most probably don't want to be Mm -hmm. single. Um, You know, this choice, like I'm the Apostle Paul and I'm going to give my life to service or or something like that, or I have this spiritual gift. Um, But rather they want to. And, you know, the way that we talk, we have to be so careful. And again, so patient understanding of of their situation, uh, that many of them have tried dating, you know, it hasn't worked in whatever relationship, circumstances, you know, things like that, the right match wasn't quite there yet. 
And, um, you know, when we say things like, or give the impression of, like you said, um, you know, what's wrong with you? Maybe you wouldn't say that to a colleague or a friend, but you kind of hint at it. Or, or to joke around about someone's biological clock ticking. They know full well if they're 35 and they're female, and there's going to be complications if you have to get married and, you know, a year or two down the line have a child and you're later on in life. They know that, you know, and we don't need to put the, the pressure on them or the hurt or the pain or to make them feel like they're not carrying out God's first words recorded to humans of being fruitful and multiply. Well, you have failed what God mm -hmm. said. Uh, you know, so there can be an unnecessary guilt when they already probably feel, um, I don't want to put thoughts into someone's heart where I, I'm not in that situation, but likely there is a, a loneliness mm -hmm. um, or a, maybe even inner battle of, What's wrong with me? Why, how come I haven't found someone? Why hasn't God brought this blessing to my life? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Um, is there a problem here? You know, so to understand the inner psyche and thoughts and, and the hurt and pain and loneliness calls for our, our patience and our care with our words, I would say, pastorally first. Yeah, so we, uh, instead of just assuming that the person, you know, there may be hurt, there may be loneliness, but so we want to, as pastors, be aware of that. Sure. But we don't want to necessarily assume like right. you're single, you must be lonely. Right. That would be bad too, right? That's the other side of the spectrum. Right. Um, we don't want to do any of that kind of judging of the heart. Right. I mean, I think both you and I would be like, um, yeah, I'll take a weekend by myself. Yes. <laughs> right. So uh, I think to maybe um, once in a while say, uh, what a blessing it is to to not have some of the burdens of family, even though you don't have the blessings of family, to say, um, there's some blessings here for being single. I mean, you get to you get to be that well rounded person perhaps that gets to travel easily. You get to be um the person who can maybe help out at the drop of a hat easier than somebody yes. else. Um, and, and I don't want to put that burden on, okay, this always call the single person for this, whatever, but as a single person to say, I have some flexibility that a lot of people don't have. And it's a great privilege to be able to help out. Yeah. Right. And maybe I just to make a, a an illustration of that on our high school campus. Um, there are a number of single faculty members who go so far over and, and above and beyond to serve the Lord in various ways through our high school ministry. And it's not because they're just um, asked incessantly because they're single. It's just because they're willing, joyful servants and, and things that there's no possible way I could find time for in my life um, as a husband and a father that I just can't do those things. I don't, um, but they joyfully do. And so, you know, as, as a part of the body of Christ that we're all working together in different ways and serving in different ways. Uh, they have an opportunity to serve in different, sometimes more ways than others of us who have families. And I think uh, we probably all have experienced um, um, the cool aunt or the cool uncle kind of thing. Like, I don't know that single people who are in that position, like they're, they're the cool friend or the cool aunt or the cool uncle, how valuable that is to uh, children. So I look at my children and um, there are certain things that their aunts and uncles, I mean, their aunts and uncles could never do wrong in their eyes ever, right. yeah. you know, and <clears throat> it's good for them to see adults as cool is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Instead of, because mom and dad are in a different relationship. Mom and dad are always going to be dorky because mom and dad have to be disciplinarians and stuff like that. You see mom and dad at your worst or whatever. And, and mom and dad, um, I think we worry about that a little bit because some, there's always that, that time when your, your children kind of don't want to be like mom and dad. It's part of growing up and parents worry about that. And, and that's fine that they're not like us, but at what what things are they going to be like us? We want them to be in church. We want yeah. them to be financially not stupid. We want them to be 
good citizens and, and moral. Other than that, we're okay, usually, generally, with whatever. To have an aunt or an uncle or a friend or a family friend that is a role model of that, that can be still, oh, they're, they're cool, I like that. I wouldn't mind being like so-and-so. And that that person is a role model to children. It's actually pretty valuable. Yeah, really absolutely. valuable. I think of a cousin I have, so I guess not an aunt or uncle, but my cousin would that make that a once removed from my children, I suppose. Uh, and she is a little bit older than I, uh, but supremely successful and travels the world in the health industry. Um, and is one of those like million mile flyers mm-hmm. type of pe- uh, people. But she takes the time every single place she goes to write, handwrite a postcard to my children and then her other cousins children's uh children um you know and send it so here we have like uh on our cabinets in our kitchen and our dining room you know postcards from poland and japan and all the all over the world and they can look up to uh my cousin sarah as a successful woman which is one thing to talk about in this world but also a a person who is uh successfully single i suppose Mm -hmm. still caring and loving uh, for others thinking about others and taking the time to do these things that one i probably wouldn't think of because i'm not nice enough but also i'm you know just too busy for so uh, i think that's maybe an example of what you're talking about yeah here's a here's a person who can quote unquote have it all right which is never true of anybody but still faithful to god's to the gospel still caring and kind and and your wife may be that but your children are probably not going to see that until they're like, yeah. I don't know, 25. You know that what I mean? Yeah. So to see that in another person, I mean, I know that it took me a while to figure that out, you know, to see how they looked at their aunts and uncles. So I was, I'm the oldest and my wife is the oldest. So, you know, we had all these aunts and uncles before they got married, you know, and so we, we saw that, right? Right, right? I mean, we got... We finally had to say, stop buying stuffed animals for the yes, children. Please. <laughs> you know, like, there's stuff that they've never actually played with, you know, but the idea that an aunt and uncle would be that special person in their life um, really is valuable. It really is. And so to say that um, a Christian who is single and, and maybe you don't, maybe you're a single person that doesn't necessarily have nieces and nephews or whatever, or you don't have that kind of relationship or you live across the country or whatever. If you're in church, um, it's kind of like the old grandmas. They, they think that all the kids in church are their grandchildren. Yes. Um, that can be true. And I've seen that happened with the, the single adult too. And I'm not saying you got to go teach Sunday school. I'm not saying you got to do that or whatever, but to be around and to socialize with them it's really valuable. Absolutely. Um, maybe I'll just take a little tangent here, but uh, something that I think is fascinating, but certainly related to what we're just talking about. Maybe if we can go back to the beginning, as in like the beginning, and just to ponder for a bit on Genesis chapter 2. And uh, th- that one is just, <laughs> there's so much fascinating stuff in there. But I, I think about here you have this perfect creation that God sees, and everything is good. It's very good, perfect. It's paradise. And you have Adam who's there. So it's not like, God made a mistake or whoopsie, you know, that's not how that would go. So you have a single man who's there and it is very good. And yet you still have that phrase, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, So even without sin, again, not like God made a mistake, there's a blessing of having someone else, you know, with you in the world. So I I just think those exchange of of verses there where you have Adam who's by himself. Of course, he learns the object lesson with the animals of needing someone else. Um, But I don't know if you want to take that somewhere or if there's anything to say there, but it was very good and perfect with just Adam by himself. But maybe you could say, is it wrong to say even better? Or there was a complimenting bonus there, you know, with the partner in in Eve. Um, I I just think that's so much to ponder with, with that chapter of the Bible. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the, the, the ending uh, lesson there is we shouldn't be competing. They're both good, right? And, right. And um, it's not a competition, I suppose. And, and I do think that Genesis is helpful to say the body is good, right? Like 
we have this idea that somehow the body is bad and sex is bad and, and all this stuff is bad and somehow the soul is pure. But we go back to Genesis 1, just like you did, and said, well, it was good, yeah. right? So it's sin that has corrupted us. And so singleness is good. It can be corrupted by sin. Mm-hmm. Marriage is good. It can be corrupted by sin. And I think that's probably what you're getting after with those kids in your class. Um, don't blame marriage. Right. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're blaming an institution for perhaps your parents or perhaps society or perhaps whatever. I mean, we all had people say, I'm not getting married again because I tried it and I, and, and I failed. So I'm not going to get married, married again. Like, well, maybe it was you, (laughs) you know, not the institution of marriage. So there, we can play on that a little bit and, and, you know, Adam's different because Adam's literally all alone. There's not another human being, right? right? So a single person today is, is you, can, you can look back on that and say, yes, God made a human being as good, period. Um, and you are going to have, we are a social creature, but God's myriad of and vocations, right? Aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, friend, citizen, coworker, whatever, um, allows you to have that social interaction. And, and maybe here's something we need to say. You don't need to be forced into marriage. You shouldn't feel pressured by a preacher who says, like, as you mentioned before, go in and fill the earth. We filled the earth. Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. okay, we're yeah. okay with yeah. that. Um, and, um, well, I, I think, there is pressure, of course, to, to, from parents and grandparents and friends to say, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to do this? And what about pressure from us as pastors? And you just mentioned preaching. I think I saw this on a social media post from someone I know who is single recently that um, how often do we miss ever having any kind of specific application to people who are single mm-hmm. when we preach. It seems like the, the sins that we may target on a you know, specific Sunday uh, when we're preaching the law or our gospel applications, uh, our sanctification applications, how to live in this world, maybe more marriage, especially family or children and train the next generation. And you know, Do we err sometimes in our preaching by missing the single boat completely mm-hmm. in what we say? Yeah. And, and I've heard that criticism my whole ministry, and I've never really come up with an example of how I could solve that. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? yeah. And, and I, I toyed with, because we had a request for this, for this episode, and I'm like, well, should I call up my, all my single pastor friends? Yeah. You know? And I, I thought, I'm not, I'm not quite sure that that would be the right tact. You know, maybe, maybe it would have been, but... Um, I hear the criticism, but I'm a little bit at a loss of, can I, can I vision myself preaching from the pulpit just to single people as I do to just married people to just, which, which I do without thinking. Yeah. I I guess we'd have to ask, right? How do you know, unless you ask it, does it single them out more for being single (laughs) when you, right. That's what I was after. Yeah. Right. I, I I don't know if, we can talk a little bit more about volunteering, about citizenship. Um, I don't know. How do you do that without, again, singling them out? Yeah. Um, uh, maybe maybe the, the, the answer is sometimes we get, and this is what we were taught, and, and I think rightfully so, to be very specific in our applications and in our law and in our gospel, be very specific. So... You who are a father in this situation, yeah. you who are a daughter in this situation, um, maybe it would be, would be better sometimes for us to speak in virtuous terms. This is what love means. Right. This is what patience means. And not be so quick to give these examples that are uh, pigeonhole people. Yeah, well, and I suppose talking about examples, um, you try not to be as a preacher always about me. Um, 
But it's natural to sometimes tell stories about yourself and your family. You know, again, is that something maybe we do too often? Tell little kids stories from our house and maybe someone who may be longing for that. Uh, there just should be maybe some more care and caution with the frequency of those examples and you know how that may be affecting someone. So we, I should tell more stories about my early 20s? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> let's go post-26. That's <laughs> maybe not there. Uh, yeah, so when I was, yeah, uh, that maybe not would work. Um, so maybe uh, you can go anywhere you want, but let me ask you a question to get you going here. Let's say you had to redesign your course. You got a mandate from above to redesign your course about these young men and women, 17 and 18 years old, going yep. out into the world and say it's got to be 50-50 single, 50-50 family. I mean, uh, you know, the content. Yeah. I mean, what, what advice would you give to um, people who are going out to be single and really thinking that's a possibility without it being make sure you don't have sex? Yeah, um, it's hard to dwell in the gospel realm and not harp on the, right. the law like you're saying. I, I just think there's a great opportunity to have people consider carefully how they can use their gifts and abilities. Um, you know, how can you be equipped for works of service? How can you use what God has given you, whether it's a single station in life, for however long that is, uh, but then also just your your talents, your gifts, abilities to really examine carefully how can you use those in service to God and to your neighbor. Not that you want to say because uh, you're not tied down. Right. <laughs> That's the wrong way to phrase it, of course. But um, just to have them consider the opportunity of time that others don't have, and and again how within the, <laughs> a series going off there, um, and consider how within the body of Christ they can they can use um, those gifts to partner with others in, in gospel ministry. And I think too, to, we, we are always about a world given back to us, right? And um, if, if, if you're in, in a family, there are certain blessings that are gifts from God and you shouldn't feel guilty about enjoying them. There's also gonna be certain gifts um, for being a single person. We're, we're kind of harping on time because that's our life right now, which yeah, is right. whatever. But I think there is um, maybe in, in the single life, there could be a calmness sometimes that yes. maybe there isn't in a hectic life where you're the one that can read the book. You're the one that can travel. Maybe you're the one that can whatever. And a single person should never, ever, ever feel guilty about enjoying the gifts that they've been afforded to by God that perhaps somebody in a family does not have and vice versa. Right. And to, to see being single, if, if that is, if, if that is in St. in Pauline language, if that is something that is a gift to you, right. Mm -hmm. And that the, I, we, we, we kind of don't like, I kind of get frustrated with Paul in that section. You have to remember that Paul thinks that Jesus is coming back next month. Yeah. And so he's like, if you want to get married, get married. That's fine. But you know, Jesus is going to be back. Don't get married just because uh, you're free now. Just remember that Jesus is going to come back. And if you stay single, you stay single. Don't get married just for the sake of getting married. But he does use that language of gift that this is a, a a gift. And so you could say in somewhat of a term, this is a calling that, okay, you have this gift that you can be this, you can live this lifestyle. I mean, there are some people who cannot help, but be alone, right? Yeah. The, the guy who buries his, his wife that he loved dearly and gets married within 18 months. And you're like, what's yeah. wrong with him? Doesn't he love his, didn't he love his, of course he did. He just cannot be alone. Right. So it is a gift that you can, that you can, you can handle this because not everybody can handle this. And so number one, not looking at a single person as weak, but perhaps probably stronger in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. Uh, for all of us who say I am a terrible person and <laughs> sinner and my wife makes me so much better, right. right. To, to go through this awfully sinful world, there is a strength there and, and a class and a grace and a, a Christian integrity and perseverance. And I guess some of the things that, that you said made me think about, you know, we talked a lot about service and maybe we were leaning a little bit on serving the church and, yeah. you know, et cetera. Uh, but, 
with what you said made me think about for sure people who are single can serve their neighbor. And so if you have a calmness in life because you're not experiencing what we do with driving children every which way and you can travel and you can read that book, as you said, you know, how can you use that knowledge and that experience, that calmness of life, maybe to serve us who don't have those things or that time or those opportunities um, and show love to those who are stressed out to the max. Can you share the wisdom of your travels, mm -hmm. you know, and what you've experienced around the world uh, with those who haven't? I think of my cousin again. When we talk about, uh, not to go down this rabbit hole too much, but like racial injustice in our world and just uh, all the nations, etc. She's been to literally all the nations. And she has a lot to contribute about world cultures and things like that, that I have learned from her quite a bit and had great conversations. So to love your neighbor also and, and serve your neighbor with those experiences, not just, hey, you got free time, help at church. That's not what we're saying. Yeah, and, and there is a sense of, well, first of all, if you're single and you're afforded things that maybe a, a family person does not can, cannot afford, and I don't mean money-wise, but time-wise or whatever it's going to be, don't ever feel guilty about it. Right. Go, go. You know, it's just it's different. It's not better or worse. It's just go with that. But know that, and this is sort of what we we're after a little bit too, is maybe there are times that you we're living vicariously through the person who is, and I mean that in a good way that they could, they saw things that we didn't see. Yep. Um, they experienced things that just quite frankly, we couldn't experience. Um, you know, I traveled in my, in my youth before I had had children and would love to travel again, but I'm a, I'm a different person now. I'm not taking risks. I'm not, right. I'm not going to be going, I'm, I can't, I, you know, TikTok, I got to be back for this kind of thing. And that's fine. That, you like TikTok? Yeah, no. <laughs> My children want me yeah, to make yeah, a TikTok yeah. with them, I'm but sure. I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, I, so, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm different. I can never go back. Yep. And that's fine. Um, but to enjoy seeing somebody else do it, to have them it, explain their experiences. It doesn't yeah, right. just have to be travel. It can be in their work. It could be sure. what, whatever it is. Um, th that I think actually has some value to it. And I think what we're trying to say is dear single Christian who feels that they don't have value. Actually, if you, if you look up and if we do want to use the word vocation, you in your different vocations as a single person. So I'm not saying that there is a, a vocation of being single, but you as a single person in your different vocations has a unique thing to give to more people than you realize. Absolutely. You are actually a lot more valuable than you think um, for, for the reasons that we've stated in the last 45 minutes and beyond that. Yeah, and those of us who are not single then to take the time to really love and respect them for those and treasure them and value them for those gifts and opportunities that they have in their in their particular place in life. Yeah, so and you know, how do you how how, how do you do that? Within the family it can be fairly easy, right? Um, you know, when aunt so and so, cousin so and so, friend so and so comes over and um, the kids just mob them. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that that is a thank you in it in and of itself or um, just uh, how, that kind of attention. Um, how do we do that in the church without always going down to the singles club bowling night? Yeah. <laughs> um, and boy, we sure are good at the church in the church, aren't we? At um, getting our little groups like you're the singles people and right. you're the married people, parents night out and never the twain shall meet. And, right. you know, to include them, I think is important. This is maybe one thing I miss a lot about our little mission church setting here in the, the motherland, so to speak. There's churches everywhere and our brand uh, that you and I are is, is everywhere of our denomination of churches. Uh, but in Florida, you know, there was an isolation where the, the next closest um, Wisconsin Synod Lutheran Church was 30, 40 minutes, and the next one after that, 50. Uh, so what I'm saying is I missed that family environment. And uh, one of our favorite things, my, my, our family, uh, was to have the, the young teachers who would teach at our school, maybe fresh out of the college, uh, young and single. And we would just take them in like, like they were our daughters or our younger sisters maybe is probably better. 
and we always invited them for Thanksgiving. We always had them over for Christmas. Um, and there was kind of like this Christian family fellowship where we care and love and treat them no, no differently. Not that we felt pity, like, well, I don't want you to be alone on Thanksgiving. Uh, but that we just love them for who they are and love them being part of our family. And I, I wonder how many more opportunities in the Christian church at large there, there could be for us to come together and include rather than you do singles night out and hopefully some of you hit it off right. and then, then you'll be in this group over here. Right, right. And, and I think the family aspect I, I think is important too. And um, it's very hard to um, foster that without being corny, right? You know, and sometimes you got to be corny. Like mom and dad may say, it's good for the family that we have a game night. Oh my God, I want to be, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's wrong that your church has game night or whatever, whatever night. But you can't force that family thing. Right. Right. And uh, I, I grew up for the most part until, until high school, um, you know, in more of a mission setting kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And so, um, and then coming back to the Midwest, that was kind of a, that, that, was, uh, that was not an adjustment for me, it, it, but it was a notice, noticeable difference. Right. So you're forced in a small church to have kind of a family atmosphere. Yep. Um, and it comes more natural. Right. Um, and so how can you do that in a big church? You know, I'm not opposed to the small group kind of thing, whatever. Right, right. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm fine with um, trying to do that. Like you said, it's not just parents and, and singles over here, but it's just Christians, right? It may be the book club. It may be uh, the wine and cheese night. We had yep. that. At, it may be. Uh, bringing in a speaker, it may be, it may be, uh, uh, it may be a golf outing. I don't know what it is, right? right? Um, but this is what a family does, and we care about, we care about everybody. And dear single people out there, um, you know, the church is a family and it's got flaws too, and so you're going to have old aunt Aunt Mildred who's going to say something that she doesn't think is offensive but maybe about your singleness you know yeah. and you just got you're going to have to deal right right <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we don't as a whole uh care about you and think about you yeah, yeah absolutely I, um these are things that that don't come to our mind often and you know <laughs> sins i suppose to repent of that we're not loving our neighbor like we should so I'm glad this came up as, as a topic and um, just you bringing it up made me think about, again, our class that we teach to high schoolers and, uh, you know, what time can we spend, even if it's just a day, you know, we talk for engagement for a whole 50 minutes. Can we talk about singleness when we start with friendship square one and, and talk about uh, being single? So um, it slips the mind easily, uh, but for sure, not because we don't love our dear single friends. Yeah, and then I think the historic perspective is is valuable too. That you know it, which always when I, when I think about a historical perspective, um, when we look back, we say, "What's their problem? Why didn't just they fix that problem within a, within a year or two? Sometimes it takes hundreds of years for thoughts to change. Yeah, right. And so the Reformation, a big deal, lifting up the family once yep. again, takes a while to maybe maybe bring that back to the idea of this single uh, person who is, who is following God's laws here uh, is somebody uh, to be admired. I'm not saying above everybody else like it was in the medieval yeah, right. church, but uh, admiration for somebody who can live on their own. We mentioned that before, right? I had a pastor friend who said, if I didn't have my wife, I would be 350 pounds. I would be, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I would be drinking every day. I'd be a, I'd be a hot mess. Yeah. And I know I am, if my wife and children go for a while, there's just something, something I, I would get yep. used to it and stuff like that. But what we're saying is that there is some admiration for somebody who can, who can go out and live a fulfilled life outside of a family because the family our children, because they need us, gives us a fulfillment and we don't even have to think about it. Yeah. 
for a single person to be strong enough to do that is something to be admired yep. and um, to be appreciated both in the family, in society, and in the church. And I think that's a, an important point for teaching, especially the, the younger generation coming up, is that Christian life of fulfillment, not I'm single for enjoyment right. or, um, you know, again, the selfish kind of a thing. I guess the thought crossed my mind as you were just talking, um, just as the church did kind of the flip-flop from here's single people and they're better, and, and now today it's the family. Um, and maybe the secular world did the same thing, whereas back then they would look at, uh, you know, everyone got married and, well, why are you being single? Right. Whereas today it's like, well, why would you get married right. is now the flip-flop secular view because there's so many problems and you're tied down, like I said earlier. So uh, to teach that younger generation, it's not just about pursuing the, the dream home and fancy car and the degree you want, but having this life of, of humble, quiet, Christian love and fulfillment, serving God and neighbor, and that is a blessing as a single person too. Yeah, and of course you can't get away from the talk about sex, right? If if yep. a fulfilling life for you includes a sexual life, not and, and we say this, then you should get married, not so that you follow God's laws necessarily, although that's part of it, but God wants you to follow the laws so that you can enjoy that. And you're and and just you're not going to enjoy it to its fulfillment if you are if you go down this road of singleness you know, sowing your wild oats until you're yeah. whatever, 40, um, that that's not only not God pleasing, but you are not being fulfilled and God does not want that for you. And so, uh, I hate to make it about celibacy versus sex, but it actually really is. If sure. you can, if you can, if you can handle that lifestyle and you can have a fulfilled life without that, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if, if, if that is what God is leading you down, um, you're not less. And in fact, you still can have a very fulfilled life. It may be a little bit different. In fact, a lot of times, maybe, maybe even more in certain respects, more fulfilling. Um, but yeah, you got to tell the young people and everybody really that, uh, you know, being single doesn't mean that you just get to sleep with everybody. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not going to work out for you. I mean, yeah. this is the first time this has come up in the, in the conversation. So I'll ask you, which is dumb from one married guy to another <laughs> married guy. Cause so we ought to ask our single friends, right. but would you say from a, just looking out at the world, the pastoral perspective, you know, experience, would you say that because of the extraordinary sexualization mm -hmm. of America and our world today, that maybe this is the hardest time to be single in the history of the world, or at least in America? Um, I'm wondering if we're switching to something a little bit different. I think it's still hard, mm -hmm. right? I guess I'm speaking from because the temptation sure, for sure. Uh, you know, sexuality is so in your face and right. everywhere you go and the, the college and high school yeah. party scenes and you know, right. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would. I, I certainly would agree that it was. It's definitely more difficult now than it was, you know, whatever eighteen fifty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I look at our college kids, and we read a couple articles, some serious long, long form articles about uh, people having sex less and all this kind of stuff. Now that may be because there was a there was a <laughs> there was a peak. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I do worry sometimes about our college kids. I'll joke with them that um, they're just so tied to their phones, right? They don't yeah, have yeah. The, they don't have this con this physical connection, and we kind of I sometimes joke without being inappropriate, like I kind of want to throw you guys a party because I don't think you guys are having any fun at all. Yeah. You know, like you're allowed to touch each other, right? You know, and um, so, but that doesn't take away the temptation. It just pushes yeah. the temptation to maybe even be more illicit or probably worse. It, it stifles people so much that they're not able to have healthy relationships that would turn into a healthy sexual relationship. Right, right. So it may be, the answer is yes, you know, premarital sex, I don't know the latest stats or whatever, but it seems to be on a little bit of a, of a decline. But it may just be, the problem may be even worse, right? And to have people who are, I hate to use this word, but sexually frustrated yep. because they're single, not necessarily by choice, but 
they never learned how to talk to the other sex. Yes. In a face-to-face kind of way outside of a... Yeah, I think so much of it is because relationships, just everything relationships, is so convoluted in America. You know, you got the breakdown of the family, so there's not a lot of good models for how male and female should talk to each other. Uh, but then there's just the <laughs> the general view of the secular world of anything flies. And so there's not a clear distinction of this is what a marriage looks like and this is how husband and wife talk to each other. This is uh, a single person and they have models that they know how to have relationships, you know, friend or whatever. It's just such a convoluted mess in our culture that people, I think, yeah, frustrated, um, unsure, insecure is a word I've heard a lot. You know, they... They, they just don't even know what to do sometimes with some yeah. of these things. And, and for the, you know, the breakdown of the family affects single people too as well. And not necessarily the breakdown of the family, but the idea of maybe a nuclear family rather than an extended family. I don't know if that's the, those are polar opposites necessarily, but um, in, a, in a modern world where you, you go to work, you maybe move for work, you have your own place is, is a, is really a phenomenon in the history of the world, right? So a, a person who maybe is single would still be perhaps very closely tied to the extended family of aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, and everything. You lived in the same neighborhood. You were in the same right, circles. Right. Every Sunday you were at the same, the same whatever. Where now it perhaps is, well, we had two children, one of them single. You know, he moved to Denver for a job. Yeah. You know, and... and so the idea of loneliness perhaps is more of a modern problem than it was maybe even, you know, 75 years ago, 100 years ago. Which is ironic, of course, because we are the most connected society in the world ever right. and yet so disconnected at the same time, which is kind of what you're talking about with the, the college kids that are just so tied to the device and yeah. don't know how to connect to other people. Right. And so I, I, you know, I'm in this position where I don't want them to go to a frat party and I don't want them to be in this situation. And yet I kind of want them to, <laughs> I want right. them to interact with each other in, in a, in, in a way. And, and they, of course they, they do in other ways and they do this way too. I'm just saying it, it there is a notal, noticeable difference about the ability for especially boys and girls, yeah. young men and women to interact. Uh, you, you kind of have to have that, bumbling experience of talking to a, a girl that maybe you you fancy right you know and you gotta you gotta go down that road and and be a failure and say oh i still survive that kind of thing instead of online and uh, you, we do worry about that so we're kind of at the end here and i'll give you the last word in a second but just the idea of again this is a world given back to us and because we're redeemed in christ crucified whether in the family or a single person, wherever you are in that, in that structure, A, it's good and God-pleasing. And, and B, there are gifts that God gives uniquely to both, and you should never feel guilty about enjoying them. And then C, you can serve your neighbor in a very unique way. And maybe the church has to do a better job of appreciating what a single person brings to the family, to the church, to society. So I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I'll maybe just take on the end there, that uh, I'll repeat what we've kind of said already, that as the church considers the, the value and the service and the place of those who are a single, for those of us who are not, that we, that we look at them with love and care and compassion, not in a I feel bad for you sense, but that we treasure them as brothers and sisters in Christ, equally valuable with their place in life, their place in the church, uh, and that we're all kind of, well, in it together, that um, if we all want community, good thing God has provided a place for us to have yeah. community and fellowship and come together in freedom and enjoy. And, and, and maybe even that we're a little jealous of them once in a while. <laughs> a, little a little more than a little, Once yeah. <laughs> in a while. And, but that's a way of saying, you gotta, you, you've been given a gift here that's wonderful, you know, and, I, and I'm happy for you, yep. right? And, and then, of course, vice versa. So uh, that is really what we're trying to, uh, you know, do in this podcast to understand that when everything's done, 
when everything is done for us in Christ Jesus, that we need not fret, no matter what our circumstances are, whether married or not, to, to talk in Pauline terms, um, whether male or female, whatever it is, um, that uh, we have this gospel freedom, and when everything is already done for us, Phil, there's only one thing left to do. Let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get up my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. Set another round, one more round won't get me down. Came home last night, all full of lush. My babe began to fuss, and I said, honey, honey, I don't care. What